sensing a, a different shift right now, uh, both in the message and what we do next. I'm going to ask uh, for us to just, let's go to Psalm 51 and praise team. Go ahead and have a seat, but we'll come back up for that song. Again, I like to do that song um, and, and others maybe. But um, So I'm, we want to just do our family notes and announcements uh, later this morning. I just feel right now we need us. There's a an anointing of worship right now. And I believe that we need to go ahead and bring that, that table up. need to go ahead and just get into Psalm 51. It's really the last part of my message. It's like the third part of this message, and I just want us to get right to this. And um, it's funny, I left my Bible in my office, so I'm trying to find it here on the phone, on the phone right now. So I could do it. I've got plenty of apps for it. Um, so... Psalm 51 is, um, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Bless you, children. You're dismissed. Have a great children's church. We love you guys. Let's give them a hand clap as they leave. Try to guess when did David write this psalm? When did he actually do it? And without, again, I was going to do a, a thorough review of last uh, Sunday's text in, in 2 Samuel 11 because it's, there's so much meat in it. You could just, just stay in it. But let's just skip. 11 is when David, he is, doesn't have purpose. He stays in the city instead of going out to, to battle. He gets into laziness. <clears throat> He's walking around the roof. He sees a beautiful woman, takes the second and third look, inquires about her, pursues her, falls into temptation of lust. It says the scripture says he took her and he lay with her. Not only the sin of adultery, but then he hides this sin by trying to get the husband to come in and spend the night with her. He wouldn't do it because he was in military mode to honor his assignment and his, his fellow soldiers. And David murders him, has him murdered in battle. And so there's this compounding of sin. And then about a year's worth of living in a lie of deception. And even though that, that David, he committed directly at least five commandments, broke five commandments, starting at commandment six. The first four vertical commandments directed toward God, the last six are directed to humans. He, he stole, he coveted his neighbor's wife, he, um, he murdered. He's, there's, there's 
Five commandments he breaks. The last five commandments he breaks. He was that deep in deception and living a lie. The blinders were so strong he could not see that he was he was literally knocking on the door of hell. And he has had blinders, folks. We we do not want to have blinders in our lives. We do not want to live in such an isolated life that we can live that long. And so I was going to go into into, um, chapter 12 you know, quite a bit today, and, and I'll just do a, a quick, give that beautiful lady a big hand. My goodness. She's my wife, by the way, if you didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> so, Nathan is amazing. Nathan the prophet comes a man of great trust to David. So this is about a year. The baby's been born. It's about a year of deception. And he tells us in this great little story about a, a lamb perfect for David because David grew up a shepherd boy that he knows what little how cute they are. He's raised them. He's had to nurse them. He's had pet lambs. And this story goes that this wealthy man comes and steals this little lamb and slaughters it for a traveler who's come to visit. And David can imagine all the children of the family yelling at, Dad, don't let them take and steal our little lamb. We love this little lamb. And he says, that man should be put to death and pay fourfold. And Nathan looked him in the eye and said, you are the man. Thank God for that story. Because if he had just said, you're the man in his first sentence, would the hardness on David's over his heart just said, what are you talking about? And kicked him out and killed him? He killed Uriah, why not kill Nathan? Another noble, one of his followers. I'm as surprised as you are that I'm affected like this. It's just I've been meditating on this for a minute. And God says, you're not going to die because the law would say, you're stoned for adultery, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. You'll be killed for killing Uriah. But your child's going to die. And when David said that man should be, that wealthy man should be killed and pay fourfold, fourfold is the law's teaching in Exodus 22 that if you steal a lamb, you pay back with four lambs. And folks, David had four of his sons die 
at a young age. Amnon, Absalom, and then the fourth was after David had passed when there was the conflict over the two kingdoms. God is a holy God. I don't want to put fear in anyone and say, now your children could be judged for your sin and they could die young. No, I'm not saying that, okay? That's not New Testament covenant. The blood of Christ breaks the curse from our sins, from parents' sins. So you're not bound to receive this judgment of our parents. That's from the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. But David goes in to seven days of fasting. And I can only imagine either during that seven days, he's laying prostrate before the Lord. He's not eating anything. His servants are saying, uh, come, you know, uh, come. You're, and, and, and the baby is, or I don't know, we don't know how old the child was. A baby, a toddler was sick, had, had been, was sick. It was, he, he wasn't dead yet, he was sick. And, and he just lay before the Lord day after day. This, this is why David, I believe, is called the man after God's own heart. There's several reasons, I believe, his humility, which we're seeing right here. But he repented well. He, he was a good at repenting. He started with confession, and then he went into this broken place before God, before a holy God, after seven days, he gets up. After seven days, they were whispering, the servants were whispering, can't tell him. I mean, what is he going to do? Is he going to commit suicide? Is he going to, you know, what, what, if we tell him the child has died, what's going to happen? And they, they hear him whispering, so, so did the child die? And so they reluctantly said Yes. And he gets up, goes to the tabernacle to worship God, goes home, gets cleaned up, and has a meal. And this confusion, they're like, what, what was that? David, why, why did you just, when we told you the bad news, he said, I was crying out for mercy for that child, that perhaps God would change his mind. And not judge my child. And he says, I believe that I will go to this child. And I will see this child. Here's a pause. We've just we gotta look at it as is. We've got to look at this pause. If you've had a stillborn baby, if you've had lost a child, if you've lost a loved one, there is a hope that you will see that loved one again. 
And that loved one is with the Father. And there is this, there is this, this is this peace that comes that they are more blessed than you are. They're more blessed than they've ever been. And God is holding that little one and that little child of David's is experienced the fullness of joy. So when did David write Psalm 51? When did those words come to him? Did he have a little pen and paper with him on the ground and he was writing it during those seven days? Did he have an an app open and he was jotting notes? Was it when he went right into the tabernacle? And went to worship. I want us to read every verse. I wasn't going to do every verse. Because it was, you know, a lot of message, a lot of points. I was just going to read certain ones in Psalm 51. But I just want to read every verse. And I'm sorry I don't have every verse on the screen here, but it's okay. You've, you've got it in an app or, or something. Here. For one, again, it's, there is a subtitle to this written in Hebrew. This is part of the psalm. It's the, for the choir director of Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. For the last year or so, I believe David has hated himself. I believe he knew his hypocrisy was bringing him a a grief. And he was just aching inside and wondering, can I ever get out of this downward spiral It will cost me my life because according to the law, I must die with the sins that I've committed. Can I confess my sin and then go ahead and die? I, I, I just, what struggles he must have gone through and yet the hardening and the callousness day in, day out, getting used to deceive people, getting used to fake people out with the amens and hallelujahs and going to the tabernacle to worship and it was fake, fake, fake. The hypocrisy was mind-blowing. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. I don't believe this is any kind of slight against Bathsheba or Uriah that he's not mentioning them. I believe he's just recognizing all holiness and purity comes from the holy God. And he's the one that created the law that I have I have transgressed, I have disobeyed. And it's so he directs his confession to God. And yet, again, as a practical piece, when you sin against someone, your your confession's not complete till you go to that person, right? You know that. Say, please forgive me for my sin. Not please forgive me if I offended you or if I sinned. No, no, you, you don't get the if out of there. If you're going to humble yourself, you say, please forgive me for what I said, what I did, it was selfish, it was wrong. Verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So this is a, an understanding of being born with the sin nature that we all are. We don't have to teach our children to whine and and. and be selfish and grab toys from other kids. They're born with their sin nature. And so we all need a Savior. We all need it just as bad as the next person. Oh, that guy over there, he did committed so many sins. How could... No, that's why this story is here. That the one who's kept in holy scriptures as Jesus Christ, the son of David. From the kingdom of David. And yet he committed at least five commandments in one event. Even the one of murder. And yet God restores him. He's so perfectly holy, and yet he provided a way, a a perfect way for us to be reunited with him in restoration. And so yet we're going to keep going in this psalm here to see the incredible holiness of God in in the broken and contrite heart of David. But let's not forget, this is a miracle of restoration This is amazing. This story is amazing that he could be restored after these sins. So please, you and I, let's be encouraged. We're not too far from God. Our past does not determine our future. That's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Behold, you desire, this is verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. So he's talking about this hypocrisy that he's lived. I have not been able to fake you out, God, even though I'm trying to fake everybody. Now listen, you know the servants, they were gossiping, they, they were remembering when the night Bathsheba was there, remembering when Uriah came and he got killed, 
Uh, this baby is born early, a month or two early, and yet is born full of, uh, uh, you know, to full term and in this healthy baby, which, you know, probably had freckles just like David, whatever. You know, it's just the, the rumors were out there, and he was trying to fake everybody. But he said, God, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Last Sunday, we offered, we always have altar ministry people every Sunday. We want to be a people of prayer. We offered for those online in a, in a 30-minute availability by phone. But we also want to have more privacy space if someone needed to be in a, a space that's more private. So we have... Again, this Sunday, we're going to have a couple of women in the room across here. And then we're using the fellowship hall for any men that want to go there or, or here at the altar. It doesn't really matter where. We're just trying to offer a more private space because, listen, folks, the entrapment of living in deception and getting used to hiding sins is so dangerous to your life, to your mind, to your heart. You are, you are hurting your heart right now. And we want to let you know, and including, if it's not today, contact Dolores Mitchell. I've, I've got a slide with Dolores' email address. If you're a lady and a man, my email address, contact us. We'll get together. We might bring, I might bring a man with me so that we can be part of discipleship together and follow up and so forth. But please, I, I sense this as an important warning. Do not live with hidden sins. Do not live there. Sometimes we isolate our lives so much that nobody knows us. And so for someone to be a Nathan in your life, there, there are no Nathans because nobody knows you. And that's a dangerous place to be. Relational, small groups, ministry, prayer partners, however it comes out, people you talk with and pray with and have community with are critical because they are the ones that will speak the truth and love to you. And that's a safe place. You do not want to live alone where no one knows you. Verse 7, purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The hyssop statement is refers to part of the process that the priests would use in cleansing and preparing themselves when they serve in the tabernacle. So he's saying, I want to be cleansed as much as the priests of the highest level of cleansing. I need it. I want it. I don't want any... B-level, substandard level. I want cleansing of the highest level. And he says, I want, I, your washing is so good, I know that I can be whiter than snow. So many of you Southerners don't like snow. Gripe, complain with snow. I miss the snow. I love the snow. And every time it snows and it really blankets the ground, I think of this verse every time. This phrase of being whiter than snow, it, this simplistic 
beauty of the whiteness and the and the smoothness and and it's just so beautiful. It it's this. It's being cleansed like that. There's no evidence of dirt. There's no evidence of past wrongs. It's covered up and it's covered up with beauty. Now this verse is an important verse to me. As I want to keep moving here. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Last week, I pointed out that the gall of David to expect to be cleansed as white as snow. Surely he shouldn't expect that. Surely he needs to have some kind of punishment, some kind of penance that he has to keep doing before he really gets cleansed. But no, he can be washed as white or snow, but he also has the gall to say, make me to hear joy and gladness again, because over a year I've been absent of joy and peace. It's been long long away from my heart. I've been aching in the bones of being broken in this heaviness of walking in deception and sin and un, unconfessed sin, unconfessed guilt. These bones can rejoice again. Where even down inside, inside of me, I can sense this peace and joy that comes from inside. Now, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. See, he knew the Saul story. He lived it. Where a man who was chosen of God and even anointed to be king with the presence of God, his disobedience didn't have repentance to it. And King Saul was judged where the presence of God left him and an evil spirit came and tormented him. And David is realizing, am I next? Is this tormenting spirit going to haunt my life like it did Saul? I certainly deserve it. Oh God, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. These two verses, creating me a clean heart, O God, renew, and, and, and do not, it, it sounds like New Testament language. When David was anointed king by Samuel as a, as a young man, it says the Spirit of God was with him. You know, just like continually with him. Now, still David was not as blessed as we are. Because, folks, we have an incredible advantage over David. The Spirit of God is not just with us, He's in us. He lives with us. He lives in our heart. Our spirit is alive, deep in our heart. Our true selves, our deepest part of us is where the Spirit of God lives. And this heart of stone, it says in the Scriptures, is replaced with a heart of flesh, a heart of a hard, cold heart. They cannot, 
listen to God and respond to God is replaced. We are called new creatures in Christ Jesus because of a new heart. Oh God, your promise is so good that the restoration is so well done, it's so perfect, it's so thorough. All of us can be encouraged that there's nothing, there's no sin that cannot be washed clean and us be renewed. We have the Spirit of God in us. Do not wallow in your sin. There's no reason Jesus paid the price. And it is more than enough. He's that able. He's that capable. Here's this important word again that I'm praying for me. I'm praying for us. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. He had the gall to ask for joy to be restored as in that salvation when we first knew Jesus and, and we felt the, the stark difference of being empty on the inside. Now he's in there and there's this deep joy, that peace that does pass all understanding. This peace is amazing. How do, you, how do I keep this peace? I love this peace. Yes, Lord, to all of us here today, listening today, our prayer is restore the joy of your salvation in us. Now this is so humbling. Verse 13, Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Lord, may our humility and honesty, our authenticity, be not only a a testimony to you and a glory to you, but it be a teaching tool for others. Folks, we need to, in a sense, practice our testimony. We need to practice it that our testimony has these amazing God's, uh, this repentance in it, this restoration and God's amazing restoration. We need to have our testimonies close on our tongues because God will open those doors and God will say, yes, share it now with this person. Share it with this person. 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue would joyfully sing of your righteousness. He was so relieved that the judgment was not going to include him being put to death because of his sins with Bathsheba and and Uriah, and he was giving thanks to God for delivering him there and saving him there. And he starts talking about the joyfully seeing of your righteousness. Oh, Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. He believed the restoration would be so good that he could be worthy to go right into that tabernacle and start singing praises to God. Surely he's got to be, you know, walk around with his head down for a month or two. Come on. 
Surely he should experience some good condemnation and just guilt and heaviness for a few months. What, what is he doing getting up off the floor and going to praise God? And sing joyfully. He had the gall to step right into worship. Off the floor fasting and into, into worship. He was grieving for anticipating this judgment on his child. And when it was done, he knew it was a holy and righteous thing. Though he ached for his son, I'll see him again. And he goes right back into praise and worship. Listen, folks, praise and worship is a restoring tool for us. Do not hold it at distance when you're struggling and all that. Get, get those playlists going when you're struggling. Emotionally, when you're struggling spiritually, get the worship songs flowing on your ears. Verse 15, O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise otherwise I would give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. He still believed in sacrifices. They were instituted of God for the remission of their sins for, and burnt offerings for certain sins and certain time frames for that year for the people. So he's not saying, but he's saying, all of them are useless. If we don't come with a contrite and broken heart, if we don't have sincerity of heart, if we're not broken on the inside of have authenticity before God and we're just going through the motions. So he's telling us, folks, listen, all the acts of worship of going to church and being on this prayer call and being on this group, and all of it is worthless if it's not coming from the place of the heart. By your favor, do good design, build the walls of Jerusalem. He wanted to include in that, Lord, may my sacrifice, may my sins not destroy Jerusalem and the call on the people of God. Philip is preparing a message, uh, and and we're going to have to bump it a few weeks out because of vacation, because I went to part two here instead of, you know, so the schedule got all mixed up, so it'll be out of chronology there a little bit, but of this judgment on his family, of knowing division. And eventually after his son Solomon's kingdom, there were two kingdoms that came out. And this is the beginning of it here. And he's praying for the nation that, Lord, don't don't let it, please redeem this. Don't let it just ruin your call and your destiny on Israel. Folks, our sins do affect other people. Don't, don't think that you're just, oh, this is just me and my own degradation. This is just me and my own sin. This is not hurting. By. No, listen, our sins do affect other people. In 
then he goes in this last verse, then you will delight in righteousness. Why don't the praise team go ahead and come up? Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices and burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then your young bulls will be offered on your altar. So he's saying, Lord, we will do offerings and we will do them with right spirit, with right heart, and you will bless them. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes right now. And then maybe you need to, you'll need to open them. Look at one of these verses that really stuck out to you today. It either meant a lot to you or it's applying to something. The Holy Spirit is highlighting that verse for you today. Wash us, Holy Spirit. Purify us, Jesus, by your blood. Create in us a clean heart, O God. Maybe more accurately for New Testament believers, wash our soul. Wash our sins away. Renew a strong and steadfast spirit within us. Lord, we want to sense your presence again. Restore to us whatever's missing. That's how good you are. You restore to us forgiveness. You restore to us cleansing. You restore to us your presence. Restore to us your joy of salvation. Deliver us and set us apart as people who sing with joy, gladly sing, with our lips give thanks. I'm going to ask you guys to bring the lights down. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to go ahead and get in place here in the sanctuary and in the other rooms because I don't know when, you know, you know, we're not closing yet, but I just don't know when someone's going to want to or, or, or um, to be with you there in one of those rooms because God doesn't want us to hide behind shame, behind embarrassment hide because of our past because 
hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a veteran in the Christ. I've, I've been, I'm, I'm a mature believer. I shouldn't be dealing with this. Listen, that, that's embarrassment. Don't, don't hold, hide sin because of embarrassment. We all humble ourselves before God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't want to keep walking in the flesh. You want to walk in the Spirit and confess this sin and repent well. I encourage you to seek God there, here, wherever. Let's, I'm not quite dismissing you yet. just want us to keep before the Lord here. as he purifies us I believe that these words of thankfulness and these words of praise are just going to want to come out Even in pain, your mercy. 
announcements in the uh, church email and and we'll reiterate those this week well god it's such an off uh it's such an honor to be able to give offerings to you these are expressions of our devotion and faith and trust in you lord we ask that you bless them abundantly and that you would bless them lord god to increase your kingdom uh in these five counties and Kentucky, the nation, the world, Israel, Taiwan, Thailand, Honduras. Thank you, God. And Lord, we we pray for Operation Care this week. And the director, Jennifer Decker, Lord, give them abundance and fruitfulness, finances, unity, wisdom, and that salvations through our ministry and their ministry as well. Lord Jesus, you are restoring purity in us you're restoring a heart of praise towards you and you're restoring our joy first peter 1 8 9 says and though you have not seen him you love him and though you do not see him now but believe in him you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls lord jesus we may not see you but we know you and we love you and we believe 
as David believed that you would and you could and you did restore righteousness in his heart and life purity peace and joy Lord we believe that you'll do the same for us our loved ones our friends those that we're praying for that don't know you yet Lord God or far from you in hidden sin so Lord God thank you for delivering us encourage those that you still think God, you know, sense that God is speaking to you about something or restoring you, feel free to stay in here. I'm going to ask Delisa and Stephen just to play instrumental uh, behind here. Then, of course, if you need prayer for any reason, uh, you know, we're here for that. And then also, if you just want a fellowship in the gathering place, that's available as well. You are blessed. You're restored. And enjoy your salvation this week. Love y'all.